Circle of Birth podcast, reclaiming our birth potential with ancient wisdom and stories from birth and beyond, sharing the rich spectrum of family diversity and transformation, stories worldwide bringing together community and connectivity. Come together with story medicine and inspire at our unique birth journeys. We breathe, we birth, we become. episode 45. Hello. I really needed to get this episode produced to share the event that Amy is hosting next week in Canberra. It's called Let Me See Baby. So this is an evening for anyone in the community with an interest in learning about ways to step forward with understanding, dignity and compassion into the lives of women close to us who have had a child die during pregnancy or soon after birth. So it's an event for conversation, exploration and question asking. It's about what we can do for someone in the space where birth meets death. And it's a time for acknowledging how far we've come and how far we've got to go from here. So really important, go to littlesilkwings.com.au or link into my show notes for the bookings and some more information. So in the work and learning I personally have entered over the last years on death, My life, my direction and my intent is just so much clearer and I just have a deeper understanding of my own life-death path which makes my life a lot easier. I think events such as these are most important that we can engage with as birth keepers and as well I would just love to see this for midwifery students and bring it into the academic world. Just so, so important. So the podcast... When I connected with Amy from Little Sick Wings, I really felt connected to the work that she was doing in the community. Amy is supporting doulas to support death and in turn reaching out to the wider community to bring birth and death back into awareness. This work is imperative to the grief process and it's important we talk about death because like birth, death is a rite of passage and death is becoming one of my favourite subjects. And I just loved this story with Amy. In this story, we explore and we speak closely about Amy's own experience with her son being very close to the death path and how Amy navigated this experience. So enjoy and don't forget to go to littlesilkwings.com.au and check more out about Amy. She is amazing. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for joining the Circle of Birth. I finally figured out all our time differences and time frames. So really honoured to have you on the show. And I have been in contact with you for quite a while before we actually got to do this interview. I'm really interested in Little Silk Wings and interested in you and your stories. So welcome. Thank you. (laughs) How about we start off with your three birth journeys? And then we can go from there into the work that you're doing now, bereavement and training. Sure. Okay. So uh, I have three, as you mentioned. My eldest is six, um, Elsie Rose. I have Anastasia, who's four, and Gabriel, who's two. Uh, Elsie and Annie were uh, both pretty straightforward pregnancies and births. Uh, there was... Um, yeah, there were no complications. It was um, – I didn't know um, – I wasn't really in the world of um, of 
birth in a doula sense when I gave birth to Elsie, my first. Um, that probably prompted, like many women, that probably prompted my um, interest in it. And then by the time I had Anastasia, I, um, you know, my <clears throat> my world was very um, different, and I my understanding of um, pregnancy and birth and postpartum and the things that are really important and the things that can go wrong and and all of that kind of stuff. I started working as a placenta encapsulator at that time. So Little Silk Wings actually started off as a placenta encapsulation business. Um, and uh, yeah, so 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 that was the the beginning um, of the business. I then um, was also working as a doula, um, but and 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 you know in in the typical happy birth sense of a doula. And I um, I formed really close relationships with other women who were around me at the time who were also um, birth workers, and it wasn't. Uh, long, I think, before it became quite apparent that there was something that was going on um, that was um, well, something that wasn't going on actually that 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 concerned me a little bit, which was that um, uh, in general, um, from my um, experience, a birth doula is is very much, and so they should be um, interested and 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 supportive of. Not to say that they're not interested when things go wrong, but very much in it for um, you know happy birth outcomes, and and they're they're a fantastic resource. There's there's you know I would um, I'm I'm forever referring people to doulas and talking to doulas, and um, but what what happened at that time was that uh, it became apparent to me that there was um, a real lack of um, understanding for what what our role became when. Um, things didn't go to plan and when there wasn't a happy birth outcome. So when we've, we've met with a woman who, um, you know, is, is our client and, and we're going to be their doula for their birth, um, there's a lot of information that as a doula we have that we can uh, pass on to them or we have um, resources that we can offer them and, and, and all this beautiful stuff that we can um, provide to them. When when things go wrong um, and and there's a fatal diagnosis or um, they find out there's no heartbeat, um, as as a doula, we um, what I found were were the doulas that were around me, myself included, um, wanted to continue with our role as a doula and 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 wanted to to continue to be that the support for that mother, um, but but there was a massive lack of um, of knowledge and understanding around what that what what that meant, how, what that what that where where the, what that relationship then became, and um, and where we find resources for that mother, and how we respond to that mother then when we know that baby isn't well or baby has already died. So while mum's still pregnant, how how we respond or, or and, and be with that mother when she's going through labor and giving birth and 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 what we do afterwards in that initial period and also beyond that so up till the 6 weeks um, mark and then beyond that and 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 that kind of information i found was was really um uh lacking in in um general dual training and um and it's not and as I said, it's not it's not a situation I feel where people don't want to continue to support that mum. It's more that there was um, a lack of understanding of of how and and you know what that looked like. So um, I did some 
that's um, further study. I did um, some training that that um, a lady ran in uh, Canada. It was online training, um, and it was it was brilliant um, because so she has a global reach. Um, uh, it's the still birthday doula training, and she uh, Heidi Faith, and she's fantastic. She she the training that she does is um, it's um, generally speaking, it's um, it's helpful because it it's uh, it's knowledge that we can apply to, um, to to women in general. What what wasn't um, what wasn't so helpful was the fact that it was ran out of out of Canada. So we were using or we were understanding things about their legal systems and their health systems that don't apply to us here in Australia. So it was very much a matter of taking um, what I needed from that training and then and then. Um, and then you know bringing it back to the Australian context and then um, finding out all the other information that I needed um, that that you know that kind of made up uh, a, a whole of an understanding of a bereavement doula in Australian context and so um, as I was doing that uh, I started to become a support for um, not directly for um, mums who uh, we're in a bereavement situation, but more so for doulas who whose role had had changed from from being a doula for an expected happy birth outcome to going into being a bereavement doula for for their client, and and so I kind of became the the um, point of call for those for those doulas. Um, I became pregnant with Gabriel and had a um, amazing roadside pre-birth completely unplanned uh I had a I was about an hour I was living in a house about an hour out of Canberra um in Bynelong planned to give birth at uh Calvary Hospital and I had a doula who was who's also a close friend who lived in kind of the same country town area who uh who I had always joked about that we may never make it into hospital um, and it was one of those situations where um, I thought I would give birth quickly uh, I kind of couldn't visualize my birth in a hospital so much I had real trouble doing that um, uh, in the kind of months and weeks leading up to my birth and and would have loved to have been able to give birth at home, but couldn't afford a a, um, a independent midwife. And so we just had this running joke that oh well we'll just pull over and ha- and I'll give birth on the side or you know in the bushes somewhere on the way on the way to hospital and it'll look like this and it'll be hilarious and 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 free birthing isn't something that I would choose to do, um, but that's kind of how it worked out. I was I was um, having contractions at home. Um, pretty early, and uh, my two girls were aware that I was that that I was having contractions, and that I we would hop in the car, and Shell, the doula, would come over, and and would go to hospital soon, and they knew that they were going to be dropped off at Mum's house, and um, and I just left it too late. <laughs> I left it too, you know, I left it too late. Having said that. Um, I was probably in labour for um, 45 minutes or so, maybe uh, in in active labour. And we hopped in the car with Shell and and um, drove about 15 minutes 
down the road. By that stage, we were on the highway, and uh, yeah, I, I said that this is. I could feel Gabriel coming out, and I said that you have to pull over. I, he's, you know, where, you know, I, I wasn't calm. I, I, I let her know loudly that she had to pull over, and that Gabriel was coming. Um, so yeah, she pulled over, and I'd opened the door, and um and pulled pulled off my pants and squatted down and and he came out and it was it was just beautiful like it was to to have that kind of birth and and it's it's funny looking back on but I also feel lucky um because it was um you know it was it it was it's a unique way for him to have, to have come into the world he certainly chose his time and place and uh, and you know, there were, yeah, there were, um, semi trailers, <laughs> um, screaming past and, and, you so know, it wasn't but in when, the bush on the height. Oh, the well, it wasn't really <laughs> in the bush so much. Yeah. It was nearly, um, there were, there was a paddock next to me and there were yeah. cows around. So it was kind of, you know, bush on one side, very much, um, highway on the other side. Yeah, but Canberra is quite, you know, scrubby, I guess on the. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yep. <laughs> So it was it was someone's driveway. Um, I'm yeah. I haven't gone back to let them know that I gave birth there. But um, I yeah. It was look. It was beautiful. And 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 Shell was uh, had some towels and she was kind of shielding me. And 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 it was you know we had a a really uh, relieved giggle and oh my goodness I can't believe that just happened moment and and Elsie and Annie my two girls you know obviously in the car and saw it and came out and Elsie they would have loved that yes so Elsie Elsie was um four and I wanted I I had planned for her to be present at Gabriel's birth so we had watched a lot of YouTube clips of, um, of birth and we'd spoken a lot about the noises that mum can make during birth and what it can look like and, and things that might scare you and things that are quite beautiful and, and all, you know, the ins and outs of it. So she was really well prepared. Annie was two and I hadn't planned to have her there. So I hadn't done any talking or any work with her and she wasn't very happy about the situation. <laughs> she didn't like the noises that mum was making. She didn't, she didn't know what I was doing. And I mean, once I'd hopped out of the car and given birth, that was, it was probably like from the time that the car stopped and Gabriel was in my arms, it was, you know, not even a minute, I don't think, but um, yeah, she was, she was, um, she was a little bit, um, can, uh, can, confused maybe concerned maybe yeah it took a little bit of talking afterwards to to um kind of comfort her I suppose but it was like it was beautiful it was so beautiful having the girls there and I remember Shell saying to Elsie um what do you think you know Gabriel's here what do you think mum just had a baby and she said she said yeah yeah cool like it was really just uh, <laughs> kind of a non-event. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was beautiful. And then it was kind of a situation of oh, okay, so what do we do now? Like <laughs> homes just down the road. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I was uh, yeah. We we called an ambulance and I went into hospital and they um they gave him the you know the normal um newborn checks and everything's fine and I'm fine and want to go back home so we were there for a few hours and then went back home yeah and so uh, how did you feel 
energetically as a person after that experience? Like then after you had time to sit with it and realize completely <laughs> empowered and and um um having a bit of a high five and giggle moment with the universe yeah, and 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 looking back on it it all it all kind of makes sense now and it all fits into place you know just the fact that I couldn't visualize my birth in hospital whereas I could with the girls because and, and you know obviously that was the way that it had it played out um and and he Gabriel um Gabriel was a very uh, he was a big boy. He was really, um, he was healthy. He presented well. And, and, uh, it was a, it was a beautiful time when I was in hospital talking to my midwife and student midwife who were supposed to be at the birth. Um, just, just the, the atmosphere in that room was one of just pure, you know, happiness, elation and, and wow. And, and please tell me about it. And it was just, a, it was, it was, um, it was beautiful and I needed it and I didn't realize that I needed it. Um, because I didn't realize that I needed it until a long time um, afterwards because of what actually played out over the next um, few weeks. You're listening to the Circle of Birth podcast, circleofbirth.com. So I got home the same um, day that I'd given birth that night, um, and uh, we every it was it was it was a normal kind of family dinner. Uh, so it was myself, Gabriel, my two girls, Elsie and Annie, and I also had uh, a foster son with me at the time. He was he was fourteen, and it was just uh, I remember our dinner together, you know, with with Gabriel. Um, it was beautiful. It was a really really special time, and. Uh, again, I think that I needed it because <clears throat> it was the next day uh, that I began to feel concerned that Gabriel um, wasn't well, or that there was something uh, wrong. He uh, and only there was it. There was just slight things that were uh, telling me that he uh, was, and I was only going off my memory of of the girls and and their first days after uh, birth and I felt that Gabriel was was a little bit um more limp than they were and 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 um not as kind of alert I suppose and and you know granted he was he was one day old at that time but I just had this sense that there was something not quite right he was feeding um okay and often enough but again um not as not 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 um not it wasn't the same as what I remembered my girls to be and and I just you know and I know that I can't even explain it to you right now but I just felt like there was something not right and I asked anyone that I could so you know I was obviously still in contact with my um you know midwife at at the hospital and I had friends and I had relatives and I had people who were experienced and and I said something something's not quite right and I was sending photos and and you know he was a he was a healthy big boy and and you know as I said before presented beautifully um and and I was beginning to feel like um, you know, I, I, I was, I was concerned for nothing. And so it got to then day three and he started, um, vomiting little, uh, just a little bit. And, um, 
and the colour wasn't – I felt like the colour wasn't quite right. Uh, and I, I spoke to a few people and, again, it was just um, – I wouldn't say dismissed because – that that's not respectful of, of the people that were giving me advice. And, and you know, it, the advice that they gave me was probably the same that, that I would offer at that time. You know, like it, there was nothing much to go off. It was just, uh, it was just you know, he was having, um, he was bringing up some, some milk. I was a little bit, I was just a little bit more concerned about the colour of the milk. It was, it was, it looked as though it had a greenish tinge to it. So third day of his life I called um, health direct and said to them, um, his, his, that Gabriel was vomiting and it looked a little bit green and what should I, what do you advise? And they said, yeah, well, actually we're not, we're not at all happy about that. And we're going to call an ambulance for you and you need to get the kids ready and, and you'll need to take him into hospital. So that all happened. The ambulance officers came over and saw him and said, he presents well. He's, you know, he's a big boy. You're saying he's feeding. He's he's vomiting. Um, it looks as though he's vomiting bile, and that's that, and that's normal for a newborn baby. That, that, that those were their words, which is completely false. Um, and they left. Uh, you know, they, before they left, they said to me, oh, um, "If you are that concerned, then um, then you know, take him down to the hospital. But we're not. We're not. We don't have concerns." So they left, uh, and I was concerned. So I did take him to hospital, <laughs> and and he was having surgery um, the next day. So it turned out that um, he had malrotation of the bowel, which is when the bowel the bowel forms um, in utero at about between eight and twelve weeks, and it forms out of the fetus, and then it twists to to you know it, it, to a certain extent and then and then kind of folds back in malrotation occurs during those weeks and that twist doesn't happen so the, the, it just kind of folds back in and what that means is that there's there, there, there can be an obstruction formed and and that's fatal so uh, or it can be fatal um and depending on a whole lot of things but in this case the uh the head surgeon said that he probably would have given Gabriel another three days before, um, you know, there would have been dire consequences. So, <clears throat> yeah, so I, so I, obviously I took him into hospital. He had a whole lot of tests done um, and, and x-rays to see where fluid was going throughout his bowel and, and, um, and it, wasn't, it wasn't following the right pattern that it was supposed to follow. And so he, he went into surgery and, um, and they pretty much had to um, – a pull out his bowel, reform it, and um, put it back in, which is which is which is crazy, and and it's 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 crazy and it's amazing, you know. Like we live in this country where they can just do that. And um, how did you so, feel during the surgery process? Horrendous, horrendous. So I remember taking him to down to where they were. Um, the surgeons were waiting for him. There were fifteen. Um, I don't know if they were all surgeons, but they were all kitted up and they were all ready for him. Um, and I handed him over and I remember the look that he, he gave me while he was lying there. And I, and I remember, and, and you know, it, I had just given birth and, and, um, I was, I was, you know, all of the stuff was happening with my body and my milk had come in and, um, I had vomit all over me and I was, you know, I was in pain and I, I, and I was sure that that was the last time I would, I would see him alive. Like I, I, and I, and, and 
I stood there and I cried as he was wheeled away. And the um, the same <clears throat> surgeon came over to me and just looked me in the eyes and said, I'll make sure he's okay. Um, you need to go and get some rest and I'll call you on your mobile when I'm finished. And so he took my mobile number down on a bit of paper and they went off into the into the room and I was kind of just left there. Like there was um, – I didn't really know where I was in the hospital and and I didn't really know what I was supposed to do and where I was supposed to go and I just found a chair and sat down and 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 was just kind of what what do I do who am I now what am I doing now and what's what's happening and what does all this mean you know like um yeah there was there was so many questions and mm. and I remember here I was just going to say just to I'm just sort of feeling into that and to be sitting there alone um, during that time it must be just so big and huge to have to sit there and yeah oh I I was it was just utter defeat like I felt like I was defeated you know like I I there was I couldn't I couldn't protect my newborn I couldn't um, I couldn't help him uh, I couldn't be with him physically. I had to really rely upon the fact that he was still attached to me in an energetic sense and he could feel what I was feeling in, in that way. Um, and, and so I kept communicating with him, um, you know, in that way. But but there's but that's that's very difficult when he's a room away from me and he has <clears throat> people around him who are human beings and no doubt, um, care for these babies however they have a job to do you know they they they're there in their um in their uniforms and they have a job to do and I heard him I I don't know I don't know if I heard him then crying but I heard I heard a cry in in my mind and I and the, the my visual that went with that was um you know him um, being hooked up to things and being, um, you know, given given um, you know what he needed and and him take you know having his little outfit yeah. taken off and all that kind of yeah. stuff and that's yeah. you know I couldn't I couldn't physically protect him and that that was that was um, heart wrenching and then it ended and I was just sitting there sobbing <laughs> sobbing looking and you know like like an absolute fright and someone saw me and said um and and you know realized that I was the, the mother of the little boy who'd gone into surgery and and you know took me back to the to NICU and um and in fact <laughs> I remember walking back and and I and them talking to me and me looking at them and hearing their words but not even kind of registering that that I was expected to respond or or even thinking that you know I needed to have a conversation with anyone outside of what was going on in my head. And I remember one of them making comments um, to the other saying, oh, she should really be admitted, you know, and I, and I, and I get why she said that. I totally do. <clears throat> but, and at the time I was just, I wasn't there. You know, I really just wasn't at all there or capable of, of kind of doing anything. So anyway, they put me in a little room and I um, don't even remember showering or anything. I just laid on the bed and waited for this guy to call, and <clears throat> and I fell asleep. <clears throat> and he called, and I remember waking up to the call, and my first thought was, 
um, utter guilt at having fallen asleep. And <laughs> how how could I have kind of betrayed him? Anyway, he called and said Gabriel's um, fine and he's on his way back and he's he's you know in a humidity crib and he's got a breathing machine and he's not going to look well, but he's he's fine and he's going to be fine. So. Um, I raced back to where they were bringing him back to, and I could, <clears throat> I could hear the. Um, I remember walking back into the room where he was being brought back, um, and a lady that I hadn't seen before, who had obviously just come on shift, said, looked at me and said, um, "You know, can I help you? You can't be in here, or something, or something along those lines of." Being um, yeah, and I and I I just kind of uttered the words, oh, um, my son, he had surgery and he's coming back, and then everything kind of changed, and she was she was um, very, you know, understanding and 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 um I, and yeah, offered me a, <clears throat> a seat and let me know that he's you know is being wheeled back now, and and um and so you know I think at that point Gabriel was had um you know they knew they knew who he was they knew that the situation wasn't great for a little while um but they they um and they um you know could see that I was beside myself so and they were they were beautiful stuff and they were beautiful you know and and he got wheeled back in and and I was warned that it could take a few hours before he um would be able to breathe on his own again but um, it, you know, they tested him after about 15 minutes and, and, and he was good. He was good. He was breathing by himself and, um, had a, a huge, um, kind of red slice across his belly where they'd operated on him. And, 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 and that was the worst of it. You know, that, that, you know, that was, I, I guess, physically for him, that was, that was the worst of it. And, um, and I, <clears throat> and anyway, he, um, he was able to come home after, um, a week uh, after another week, yeah, of being in there. Well, I think it was maybe two weeks altogether that we were in there. Uh, and he, um, you know, they had to prove that he had to prove that he could um, feed and hold down feeds um, and um, and you know present good field nappies, and and he was good to go. So, what was um, the feeling like? Um just holding him for the first time did you get to hold him straight away or was it just a hand yeah I did I did get to uh, no sorry I didn't get to hold him straight away it was it was just um hands touching hands. him and talking yeah. to him How was that? Um, oh it was oh it was amazing and I felt like I was looking at him again for the first time um and so grateful to, for um him just you know being able to look at him and know that 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 he's okay and he's breathing and he's going to be fine you know I it's so I'm so so grateful and so lucky you know he has no long-term health complications um but but it was um however it was it was it was a situation where I needed to trust what I was feeling it really it really was you know if I if I hadn't if I hadn't have done that um when he was, when he was, you know, a couple of days old, then, um, it, I, you know, I, I, the, 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 the um, yeah, the, the situation would have ended differently and, and, and he likely, um, would have died from, from what, um, he was born with. And, and this isn't something that you can test for or, or you can, you, you would know or be able to pick up on any, um, kind of after, 
after uh, you know post birth checks it's it's just something that um you you can pick up in um really young babies or, or you know it can present um a little bit later during childhood so so yeah to answer your question when when I was first touching him and and I could see his chest rising and falling with his breathing and I could and you know there was a lot of he was in a lot of a lot of pain and and he was a lot of in a uh, on a lot of um pain medication and um and um but I I um, was one of those, um, yeah, I, I, I refused to, whenever I was able to be in there, I was, I was in there. So there was, there was a lot happening around him, you know, obviously we're in, we're in um, Niku and there were times when um, I couldn't, I couldn't come in for what was going on up there, but for the rest of it, um, there were, there were so, um, um, comfortable with me sitting there and having him on me. For pretty much the majority of the time, he was he was in there, you know, with being hooked up to everything he was hooked up to. I just they let me just lie in a chair next to his um, little cot and um, and just hold him. And then with the moment he started, well, when I was given um, permission to start feeding, breastfeeding him, and he fed straight away um it was <laughs> i was told that i needed to empty my breasts first so that he, when he started feeding he got pretty much um none to a very small amount so that we could start him on really little amounts uh, and kind of continue to do that um for the next few days until um they were satisfied that he was um having good um, feeds and holding it down and that feeling was um yeah it's, it can't really describe that that's you know to to feel like you're back in that um mother role and and you're able to provide what you want to provide for your child and and there's you know you're connected again physically um yeah that's um that's 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 a um that's a really beautiful uh, and special feeling. Yeah, especially like you said that you're still so energetically connected to him. Like it's only been like so close to birth. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, and that's still. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just I can't stop thinking about like you know the birth and the laughing about the car on the side of the road and just yeah. that feeling and and then you yeah. know that really strong innate primal feeling that something's not right and. Yes. I, I think many women that have gone through miscarriage or stillbirth or loss, I myself can relate to that feeling of just feeling like something's just not right with your baby. And yes. and you, it's, it kind of just directs me into this work that you're doing that when you can support people to follow their intuition and because people around you just want you to make you feel good. There's always a sort of an explanation that can come out of it because of our deep fear of death um, yes. and what that means. And I just really love how you had that strong, strong feeling and how it just correlates into this work that you're doing and, you know, that sort of gift that you got to listen to that. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember saying at the time I can – um, totally um, see and feel and, and know and completely understand now um, how it happens when situations occur where um, mothers are, um, are uh, encouraged to um, kind of go against how, what they're feeling, go against their concerns because they're a first-time mom. They're over-exaggerating. Everything's fine. You know the typical 
babies um, generally um, slow down their movements or stop moving as much towards the end of pregnancy. All those things that are a huge risk to tell um, pregnant women, a huge risk. And, um, and, 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 you know, the same applies for, for newborns. Um, absolutely. It's, it, there's, there's kind of excuses that I hear that, that mothers are told or they're not even told that they, that they, um, tell themselves because of a story that they have in their, in, in their mind about, um, about that, um, based on, things that they've heard or they've read or they've seen or, you know, other experiences that people have told them. And, and at the end of the day, you know, um, everyone's gut instinct is unique to them and that, that should never be dismissed um, or, or um, you know, given any reason as to why they shouldn't, they shouldn't be um, feeling that way. For a vulnerable new mother go through that, I guess you've got a really good understanding of what, it could feel like to be that close to to that life and death path yeah i do absolutely i do um and and gabriel didn't die you know and 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 so therefore it's through my experience with with bereaved parents um mothers uh, and and mothers fathers and siblings in in um working one on one with them and working um, with the doula who's working with them, that I that I see it, and I see um, that that the people around, in particular, the people around the mother, um, desperately want to help, desperately want to know what to say, what to do, when to say it, when to do it, and and how to be, what to talk about, what should they, you know, should they mention the baby's name, should they keep bringing. Um, food and flowers over should they uh, you know all of this kind of stuff it's not that uh it's not that um people don't want to be there it's that they don't know in what what um what capacity they should be there and 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 it's understanding it, it, it's a, it's also a lack of understanding of what um well you know it all comes to a lack of understanding of what that woman um is is feeling and needing and going through and so that's how little silk wings turned into a bereavement, um, a bereavement doula training platform and resource center. So, so, so the um, <clears throat> the plan for little silk wings, at, well, at the moment, little silk wings is um, I, I'm uh, presenting the Let Me See My Baby event. So um, that is for it. It um, was in the Sunshine Coast on the first of August, and that that really is for um, people of the community, men and women, uh, and it's for uh, anyone with a professional interest in um, supporting a bereaved, a bereaved mother. So, in uh, in reality, every person, in one way or another, is in contact with a bereaved mother. Yeah, whether it's our friend or it is our actual sister or it's our mother or it's our cousin or it's ourselves or it's our daughter or whatever it is, it's some capacity. Um, and so the event itself is is to is to um, use communities, so use people that are in the community to um, to in, to have a discussion. So it's a panel led discussion to inform um, who's there, ways that we can step into that space and support a woman who 
um, has just found out that her baby has a terminal illness or her baby died and, and was only two weeks old or she was pregnant at 21 weeks and the baby has no heartbeat. So we're talking about what what um, what grief is and isn't. We're talking about where guilt comes into it for for um, the mother and and the partner and the siblings and even the profession professionals around them, like midwives, the guilt that midwives um, face and what that does to them professionally and personally. We talk about um, protocols, uh, photographs, um, terminology. That's what you know how how we're how we're just, um, speaking to a woman about um, about the death of her child. And 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 you know a prime example of of something that's really interesting that comes up at this, these events is that um, generally speaking, I hear a lot of dismissive comments made about a woman who has um, miscarried and she was only. 10 weeks she was only nine weeks you know all this only you're just, only or, yeah you're yeah, just yeah, only yeah. and it's like, um, it's like comparison and absolutely yeah. and you shouldn't therefore you shouldn't you know grieve as much as the last woman grieved because she she had a stillbirth or yeah. you know you know so that that kind of stuff and then also the um you you, you can just have another baby or you've already got three other children yeah. you should just be grateful because of that yeah. and and or yeah at yeah, least, yeah yeah at least um you've got a b or c or this this or that absolutely or yeah yeah yeah, not, yeah 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 and so that that um really complicates things it really it really does because at the end of the day um a a pregnancy is still a child and and um miscarriage is still child is still birth uh, and it's just this terminology and it's this it's this idea that um different different um terms kind of mean different things that should have an impact on the way um a mother's um, grief journey then plays out um so yeah, we we talk about um, bonding during pregnancy. It's a really interesting one um, for me. I'm really I'm really love talking about the fact that we should be um, encouraging a woman to bond with her baby, um, to, to continue to bond with her baby post um, um, you know receiving information that there's a fatal diagnosis or baby has died, and and that idea alone that you can continue to bond with a baby who um, you're pregnant with, who has died, is like, you know, that that's people just go, wow, no, you know, that that's difficult to understand because majority of the time it's kind of like um, this understanding that um, that a mother won't or doesn't want to. And, and sometimes the mum doesn't want to or feels like she shouldn't or just wants to detach um, because that's easier. Um, but what, but it's, um, it's interesting what that, what, uh, potential harm that can have for the mother in her um, journey, you know, um, further kind of down the track. So, so yeah, that even that, just knowing that that's an option that you, you absolutely, know, it's okay absolutely, do it doesn't know, bonding doesn't yeah. have to be reciprocal, yeah. So you don't yeah. have to feel anything in return. It can be it can be you know you doing doing the bonding with your child, um, yeah. and and um, believing or or knowing or understanding or hoping or whatever it might be that on some level the, the child the child is feeling that is still feeling that regardless. Mm. I did a um, beautiful episode with a woman named Kylie. Uh, I think episode 11 and it was just that she f had a trisomy 13 diagnosis yep. 
20 weeks and she continued on with the pregnancy and her older son used to sing to the baby, completely engaged in the full bonding process. She decided that she wanted to birth at home. So she had got a midwife on board and this whole team and had a really beautiful experience and he spent two days at home with them alive. That whole experience and having the whole family involved right back to that moment from just saying, Mm. yeah, you know, I'm going to support him and keep him through this and bond with him. And when he comes out, she just said all he knew was love before he passed. And it was just such a beautiful story because you can do that. That is an option. Yes. Um, Yeah. Yes, 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 absolutely. And, and, and that what the comment that you made, you know, all, all all the child knew was love. That's that's really beautiful, and that that really comes into play at you know in, within our discussions at Let Me See My Baby when we're talking about um, the feeling that having a child die is unjust, and and the fact that that's um, it's really really helpful uh, for someone who's supporting this mother uh, in a professional sense or a personal sense just to to um to not necessarily um you know say this to mum but just to keep in mind that and and to, to to view this from another point of view which is that um the feelings of expectation and that we have for our children um and the potential that we know our children have so um you know we we expect that they should be able to um experience their first everything and get married and drive a car and 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 you know everything and and we know that there's potential for this child to to do um great things and to um um live until uh, live a life that's kind of justifiably alive and 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 you know that kind of that, that, that that's a real kind of adult um stuff that we're putting onto that child so um for a child to die so young um it's it's um it becomes unjust because because you know we we feel like there's so much that they've missed out on yeah for that child if we put ourselves in that child's um from that child's point of view like truly truly do and get rid of you know everything that we hoped for, as as difficult and heart wrenching as that is. The child, if you know their life that they lived, whether it was two hours or two weeks or two months or two years, their life likely was a life surrounded by love and true acceptance, and 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 they experienced um, um, their life. They experienced their whole life. Yeah, just because it's not a whole life that we think that they should have experienced, they still experienced their entire life and their entire life was experienced um, by receiving love of people around them. And that's a really beautiful thing for them to have had. Yeah, yeah, the love and the surrender and then the letting Absolutely. go and then comes the grief. And it, it just reminds me too of the elderly going through this process and the family just letting them go and, you know, it's okay and... It's that it's that really nurturing that pathway into that journey, mm. and it's it is hard, and this is why I'm just really thankful that there's people such as yourself that are doing this work because it's I would love to see every doula as part of a doula training have this um, mm. knowledge. I would love to see it. I'm a student midwife. I would love to see a whole unit on this 
before mm, you absolutely. head into a midwifery career like this. Yeah, it's, absolutely. Yeah, it's a and, and it's yeah, it's funny you should say that because I'm I'm um, in contact at the moment with with um, people at the unis in Canberra saying this would be a great thing for your students to attend and for for midwives who've been um, practicing for many years to attend because there's nothing like it at the moment there's actually not like for for so so the way that this event runs is that there's for Canberra there's five um there's five panelists and myself um and this is um december the 7th is that right it's the fourth um the fourth fourth december yep yep it's it's tickets on your website Tickets are on the website under events, yep, at yep. Little Silver Wings. Um, so the five panel members are uh, a midwife, the state rep for um, Hartfeld. So we, we talk a lot about um, photographs and the importance of photographs and what we can do um, if a mum um, decides that she doesn't want photographs and, 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 you know, the conversations that we can have around that. Uh, we have a, um, a woman who's a palliative care nurse, uh, another woman who's um, a social worker in paediatric palliative care in down in Melbourne. She's coming up, um, and uh, a special guest. And the special guest is um, a woman whose um, whose story we listen to right at the beginning of the night to kind of set the scene um, with an understanding of what was going on for her at that time and how she was responded to by professionals and people in her, um, you know, private. Um, networks and her family and 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 that kind of leads into the discussion of of um of what we're doing and what's being said and and you know um the good services that are around at the moment like how things have really improved and how we can improve from here even 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 more so but um going back to what you said yeah absolutely you know i had uh, midwives at the uh, sunshine coast event who who said that they had they had never um had um they had never had been exposed to to information like this before in terms of like a real in-depth discussion about the stuff that people think about and see and and wonder about but don't really bring um like you know don't really bring light to in a way where um it's just kind of um open open discussion so i um I lead the discussion so i am the one um kind of asking questions and facilitating what um the discussion amongst the panelists, but uh, when someone buys a ticket, you have the option of submitting your own question to either one of the panel members or to the panel in general, um, which will get raised on the night as well. And and um, you know, obviously, there's free question time as 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 well. But there's, I I just want to make sure that um, you know, there's questions that I see that need to be asked happening, and there's questions that the um, the people that are buying tickets. Um, want answered are, are put forward, and there's an opportunity for people that still have questions on the night to to ask those questions. So yeah, really fascinating discussion that comes out of it. Awesome! I just saw your special guest. I'm actually interviewing her next week, Vicky. Are you really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I really just I'm so happy. Yeah, I just want to get a perspective on. She's had such a good doula career. Uh, you know, I'd love to just get some wisdom from. Yes, you'll get it. Yeah. yeah. She's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I can't I'm sorry. How cool. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, December 4th, tickets and then go to events, which is littlesilkwings.com.au. 
Yep. And so then if you if you go to littlesilkwings.com.au and you click on events, then you can see the Canberra event there. There's some uh, there's a video there of the Canberra event and some there's a gallery of photos. You can click on then under current events you'll see Let Me See My Baby Canberra. So the 4th of December uh, starts at 6. It's at the Press Club. Uh, there's dinner as well being um, served. It's a buffet dinner halfway through uh, and it'll end around 9. Having said that, the Sunshine Coast event I think ended more closer to 10 but we try and keep it around We'll try and keep it around the 9 o'clock mark. Yeah, um, so I, I've um, been to a death cafe and during the death doula training that I did was yep. like no one wanted to leave. We got exactly. We just, we just could have kept going, and, and I could imagine these events would be like that too. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, it, absolutely. It just brings up so much for people in, and then having that safe space to do it to explore that. Yep, yeah, yep, definitely. Um, so the uh, proceeds for the events are um, are going back into the community as well. So this event is um, profits are going to um, Leo Birthwork. I don't know if you've heard of Jenny Blythe. Um, who she travels to um, Laos with a team of five. Um, yeah, she, so I did an interview with her. Did you oh, do an interview with her? Yeah. Cool. Episode 37, everyone. Nice. Yeah, yeah. nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's going back to her. She's going back to Laos in December, so that's going to support that initiative. Yeah, yeah that's a beautiful project, that one. She mm. actually talks about that in her podcast. So, Excellent. Yeah. Beautiful. I. I'm just looking at your roomy quote on your homepage. Uh, Let yourself be silently drawn by the strange pull of what you really love. It will not lead you astray. And I just think from that moment you started this conversation that you've just had this pull into this work and this quote just sounds exactly like you into your journey. Um, It's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So a big honour to have you on the show and a big honour just to share an insight into your offerings um, and to your transformation. So thank you. Thanks, Ellie. Beautiful. Did this episode tickle your heart, move and rattle you in its wisdom? I hope you resonated with the show. Please head over to the website, circleofbirth.com, for show notes, including my personalised take on the episode, pictures, resources, and how you can connect with a storyteller. Sign up to the newsletter, and most importantly, please help this show grow to its full potential of serving you in its ancient wisdom. Donations made easy via PayPal. All donations will be received with love. Head to circleofbirth.com slash donate. And yes, I'd love an iTunes rating. This has been another episode of the Birth Share Project. We breathe, we birth, we become. We honour you and empower you.